You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. I think I would give my younger self the advice of to be patient with myself. You know, I was always somebody who wanted to be, you know, older and better. And, you know, when I was a young professional, I wanted to be doing the, or I'm sorry, when I was a young junior, I wanted to be doing the equitation, you know, like the big kids were doing. And when I was doing the equitation, Mm -hmm. I wanted to be a professional. And, and as, even as a professional, I was always, you know, trying to, you know, you got to put in your dues and you got to, you know, take your time and, and I was always very eager to learn, but I was always in a, in a bit of a rush to get further ahead than where I was. And when I now look back and think, don't worry, you're going to, you know, if you keep going, you'll figure it out. It's almost impossible not to figure it out with the longevity in this kind of business. And not just me, just that's anybody who wants to, you mm-hmm. know, keep at it and keep working and keep learning. And so, yeah, I would say just be a little more, take the time and enjoy what's happening at the time. Welcome to the Practical Horseman podcast, featuring conversations with respected riders, industry leaders, and horse care experts. The show is co-hosted by Practical Horseman editors, and our goal is to inform, educate, and inspire. I'm Julia Murphy, and this week's episode is with Grand Prix jumper and top hunter competitor, Christy Herrera. Christy began her professional career after winning the USEF Talent Search Finals in 2002 under the tutelage of Frank and Stasia Madden of Beacon Hill Show Stables. For the first few years in her professional career, Christy rode for and learned from some of the nation's best, including BZ Madden, Nona Garson, and Aaron Vale. In 2006, Christy became assistant trainer to Missy Clark at North Run, where she helped train numerous students to national championships in the equitation ring. While she worked at North Run, Christy had the opportunity to spend a year riding and showing in Europe with Stefex Stables, where she competed in national and international FEI classes. During her time abroad, Christy won five national Grand Prix classes and competed up to 20 horses per month. Since returning to the United States, Christy has focused on training young horses and competing in both the jumper and hunter rings. In 2010, Christy established her own business, Oasis Show Stables, which is located seasonally in Wellington, Florida and Saratoga Springs, New York. In 2016, Christy won the prestigious USHJA International Hunter Derby Championships aboard Miss Lucy, and in 2017, she won the $50,000 USHJA International Hunter Derby at Deer Ridge aboard Cannon. More recently, Christy piloted Valhalla to the win in the $10,000 USHJA National Hunter Derby at the 2022 Winter Equestrian Festival. As she continues to compete at the highest levels in the hunter and jumper rings, Christy and her husband, Rich, run their business and train juniors and amateurs. Before we dive into the podcast with Christy, I'd like to thank the sponsor of this week's episode, Practical Horseman On Demand, and share their message. At Practical Horseman On Demand, you can enjoy hundreds of how-to videos and get insider access to exclusive interviews and lectures, slow-motion demonstrations, and step-by-step tutorials taught by top-level pros in the hunter, jumper, equitation, and eventing disciplines. New content is always rolling out, so there's always fresh new videos available on topics important to you. Join now at practicalhorsemanondemand.com and start streaming from any smart device. Now enjoy the episode with Christy. 
Thanks again for hopping on with me just to chat. It's great to meet you. And just to dive in, I would love to know just as a trainer and a rider, what is your philosophy like? Um, my philosophy really as a trainer and a rider is about process. Uh, you know, I've been lucky enough to deal with a lot of different horses and riders in my career. And, you know, most of what I get out of every day when we go to the barn and I get on each horse and I approach each lesson is, you know, what, step is each horse in in their process to whatever goal we're working towards um and that really helps me if i can remember that in the moment and it's hard to sometimes when we're at the ring and we're competing and there's a lot of you know pressure items going on but each horse is really in a different um you know trajectory than than their others and we really try to you know focus on the progression of what was an improvement upon the day before, you know, and where are we looking towards going forward? And that might mean, you know, for one horse who's just starting to move up a level and jump, like, for example, I had a hunter this week that jumped three, six for the first time. And I was so just proud of him because he made, you know, a little different error in each class, but they were such, in my you know opinion, good mistakes. You know, he was measuring the distances a little bit better and he was measuring the height and he had a rail in one class, but then he came back to the next class and really, you know, used his hind end a lot better. So mm -hmm. if I can keep working towards what process, um, you know, how the process is working for each horse, then that, that sort of makes me a better rider and trainer as I go along, I think. And I'm curious, uh, I actually have a young horse who um, I'm going to start doing in some of the bigger hunter stuff. He's at about the three foot right now. So just for myself and those of us who have horses that are kind of moving up, what are some of the things that you do at home or at shows that helps move your horses along? So I try to mix it up a lot for them. It's easy to get to where, you know, you're trying to move up in a division and you just say, okay, so I'm you know, I've been jumping two six and now I want to jump three foot and or three feet. And I just, you know, put the jumps up to three feet and practice that as much as possible. And horses really learn and riders too through repetition. So I try to start each day or each training session with something that they're familiar with and that they're comfortable with, which would be, you know, let's say two six, and then just put in you know, a few different jumps in the course at a little bigger height, maybe in a stepping stone like two nine and and so they are jumping something that's very comfortable for them and then, you know, a couple inches higher and make it very incremental. I think that when you throw too much at a horse at one time, expecting it to go well is, you know, probably not going to happen um, with that result. You like to, you know, like you're teaching students to give them something they can attain, make it a little bit harder for them to work towards and then go back to something that's a little easier. And you know, sort of each time you do any sort of training like that, then change it up and change up the height of the jump that you're trying to add into. And every time that you make a step forward, just make sure that there are some comfort zones, but then you keep pushing where, you know, in little spots where they can, they can do it easily, making it, making them set up their jobs. So they're set up for success is really the way to train anything. Right. So that's what that's what I would suggest. And so instead of just jumping full force in, just add it in gradually as you go along.
And you mentioned teaching students a second ago. So I'm curious, uh, we talked about your training philosophy. What would you say your teaching style is with your students? Um, I have learned that my teaching style needs to be patience. Um, and it's really mostly about building confidence. You know, no writer does well, including myself, when they're not confident in their own abilities. And while you're always trying to push them to be a little bit better or a little bit stronger, it's, you know, it's, it's all about how, what they believe they can do. And that's such a huge part of competing or like we just talked about moving up a level, whether it's on a horse or, you know, into a new class. Um, and, you know, the person that really taught me about teaching was my own sister. I was lucky enough to be her trainer uh, when she was young for six years. I did that. I, I was I was a professional when I was 18 and she was mm -hmm. six years younger. Um, and while I was sort of figuring out how to find my footing as a trainer, I had her as a guinea pig. And, you know, mm -hmm. I'm a very traditional student myself. If somebody gives me some instruction, I, you know, take that to the nth degree and I want to perfect it and I want to do it, you know, over and over until it's just right. And my sister learns totally differently. She will take instruction and then try it out and then say to me, you know, it really feels better if I do it this way. And which maybe wasn't the way I had explained it, but in her, right. for her writing style, that's what felt better. And, you know, if she accomplished the same goal, that gave her confidence. So I really had to learn how to watch and, and learn from the student <clears throat> and then adjust my teaching as I went, um, which that took a while for me to learn that kind of patience, especially with my sister. Um, but it also taught me that students really learn at their own pace and their own methodology. And mm -hmm. if I can let them teach me how, how they learn, then I can become, you know, a better trainer in that way. It's so interesting you say that because I uh, interviewed Daniel Blumen for this podcast a few weeks ago, and he said something very similar that, you know, his writing style might not be the same as his students. And you kind of have to adapt to, you know, their their bodies, you know, every person's confirmation is different and that may, um, you know, affect their writing style. And you kind of have to learn how to help the student excel in the style that fits them the best. Yeah, exactly. You know, and there are so many different, um, you know, different disciplines that we do in this uh, sport and how much one person is really, you know, you find out what their strengths are and work on that to keep building their confidence and then, you know, take their weaknesses and see how much you can improve upon them, but don't, don't let everything that they need to work on become the focus of each lesson, you know, put, put what they are good at first and then add in, how how that can help, you know, something they need to get a little better at. And when you are teaching students, do you ever see kind of a trend in things that your students really need to work on? The biggest thing I think students or writers need to work on in general is pace. Yes. I think that I was taught that at a very early age that, you know, you find a distance better when you're going forward. And making mistakes going forward are almost always easier to fix than making mistakes slowing down and going backwards. Um, mm -hmm. And each rider, you know, I like to think that most riders, or I, I do think that most riders ride in a 
similar fashion as what their personality is. So, you know, if you have sort of a bit of an outspoken, energetic person, they're, they might ride, you know, with a little, you know, extra energy and a little extra, um, you know, almost too aggressive. Um, and then if you have a student that's a little quieter and a little shyer, they're not always willing to get out of their comfort zone and kind of ask the horse to really gallop forward. Um, so, but both of those students would need to work on how to adjust their pace. You know, if the overly ambitious student likes to get too fast, then they have to learn how to contain that energy in their horse. And if the passive student isn't quite sure of how to get the most out of their horse, then they really need to work on how to go forward and, and, you know, push their horse into what is more of a gallop. I can totally relate to that. After how many years I've been riding, pace is something that I have to constantly remind myself of and my trainer has to remind myself of. So I, I totally agree with that point there. Um, so when you are teaching, do you have, or actually teaching or training yourself, um, you know, or training a horse, do you have an exercise that is a favorite of yours and, um, why do you think it's important to work on? Um, just going back to pace, I work a lot on some pole or cavaletti work where, you know, we'll put two poles, uh, opposite each other and work on, what kind of pace or even or even almost a mile per hour um, range they should be in on the way to the approach to the jump or the pole and then how to slow down on the landing. And then when you get to the top of the turn, go back to that same pace. And, you know, if you can do that over something small and just get comfortable with how um, the tempo can dictate your distance, um, then that could become a little easier once you get into the jumping. Um, another, or jumping bigger jumps, I should say another exercise I like doing is making students, uh, decide before they even get to looking for a distance, what type of distance they're going to choose, you know, choosing it before it chooses you. And usually I start with again, pace and going forward and trying to find something that's moving up until they get comfortable with understanding that kind of timing and distance and then saying, okay, now you're going to do the exact same pole or Cavaletti, but you're going to do the waiting distance and you're going to collect your horse as you go to it. And usually when you give the type of distance that you want the student to do, um, they have a better time figuring that out versus deciding, you know, should I go forward or should I slow down or, you know, kind of mm -hmm. questioning it until it gets to them. And that's the same with the horses too. The horses have to know both going forward and collecting. And so I will do a lot of, you know, for example, I have a hunter that is lovely and quiet, but sometimes a little too cold to my leg as I turn the corner. So I'll just make him, you know, forget the distance, but make him gallop up away from the turn. And I know that that distance is going to come up going forward. I have a jumper that's a little bit excitable and aggressive and wants to get ahead of me. So I know that I practice waiting around the corner to, to that Cavaletti or pole every time we try to practice. So I think, I think putting what, whichever type of pace is a little less comfortable for the horse or the rider is the one they should, right. you know, practice more and, and be, be definite as to what they're asking for before they even have to look for the timing of the distance. 
And um, getting into your background a little bit, can you tell me how you got interested in horses and riding to begin with? Uh, yeah, my uh, my parents had a barn in our backyard and we uh, just started learning. I'm one of four learning as kids how to ride. My mom was a rider as a junior and what started as a little, you know, two stall barn with two ponies turned into a 10 stall barn with a little lesson program. And, you know, I was lucky enough to basically live at the barn and after school every day was, you know, my friends were in the barn taking lessons from my mom. We would go to small horses on the weekend. And so I really started that as a young age. I think I was, I don't know, four or five when I learned to actually ride a pony. Um, and once I started, you know, getting a little better at it, I realized that I liked riding different horses um, a lot. And I, I got to, because we had our own barn, you know, my mom would, if a kid couldn't come that day, she would put me on the horse and, you know, make me flattered or school it. And I really liked how much each horse was different and I could figure out how to make each horse go better. And that's really carried me through my whole career. You know, I got to ride with some barns. I rode with SBS farms in um, Buffalo, New York, when I was quite little or quite young and started going to bigger horse shows um, with them. And they gave me lots of different horses to ride. And it's just was really interesting to learn how to make each horse become their best. And that's what I do today is, you know, my, my favorite job is as a catch rider and I get to ride lots of different types of horses and figure out, you know, what, what can I do as a rider to really bring out the best in each horse? Um, whether it's being softer or being stronger or, you know, some horses like more contact or some horses like more leg. And I just really love how my riding can help each horse, uh, you know, bring out the best in them. And you probably touched on this a little bit with the your answer to that last question, but what is it about horses and the sport that's kept you involved for so long? Um it's just really fun still for me. You know, I think that when I get on a horse that, especially one that I've worked with for a while and I'm trying to, again, work on their process and either teach the horse to, you know, do something that's a little bit more technical or work with a horse that maybe is a little more seasoned, but I have learned a lot about how to make that horse go better. That's just, it's just fun at the end of the day. I, you know, showing is great and the business is part of it, but literally getting on the horse itself and, and riding each day is really what I have a good time doing. And so I think if I didn't have fun at it, I, I wouldn't be doing it anymore. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, growing up riding, who would you say are some of your mentors and people who've influenced your riding over the years? Um, I mean, my mother to start for sure. She, <laughs> she, I would not be here one bit, um, if it wasn't for her who, you know, she was the one who we would come home from a horse show and go and practice over and over, you know, the things that I needed to, and that I, you know, could make just 5% better for the next time I went out. Um, and she really did my homework with me for so long that it kept me, it made me better as a rider for sure. Uh, I certainly have ridden with lots of different uh, great riders and trainers. Jen Alfano is probably my longest 
mentor in my life. Uh, I think I mm-hmm. had my first lesson with her when I was nine and I still currently have one of her horses in my barn that I'm riding that she helps me on occasionally. And I've worked for her for different periods of my life. And she was the first person that had the job that I thought was really cool. And she, you know, she was a rider who catch rode and she just made every horse look amazing and, and like a million bucks. And it really inspired me to work at it and figure out, you know, how I could do that too. Um, and certainly I've learned from so many other, you know, great trainers. She was working with Susie Shelkoff at the time. I've worked with, um, Missy Clark and John Brennan. I rode with Frank and Stacia Mm -hmm. Madden at Beacon Hill when I was a junior. Um, they sort of put the finishing touches on my junior career and, um, and again, my sister, I mean, she, she's not a mentor cause she's, you know, younger than me, but she certainly taught me so much about, you know, what to take from this sport and how to, how to appreciate it. And I want to get into showing a little bit here. Can you talk a bit about, um, some of your most important or, um, favorable successes in your career? Um, yes. I mean, I, I've gotten to ride so many nice horses that, you know, we're, we're nothing as riders without those horses. So I, I've, you know, I've won some things as a junior. I won the USET finals. Um, that was actually on a horse that we bought that Jen Alfano found for my parents. We bought her as a three-year-old and, Mm. um, I think it was five years later, we won the USET finals together and she was just an, very, very challenging horse in all means. She was a chestnut mare. She had her own opinions. Um, <laughs> but it was just one of those things where we, you know, we bonded for from such a young age together. I was 13 when I got her and she was three and we were doing the metal, you know, metal McClays as, as a four-year-old, probably way in over our heads. <laughs> <laughs> um, but she was the horse I won the USET finals on. Um, I won the, uh, I was on the gold medal team at young riders also in 2002. That was my last junior year. Um, I showed in Belgium for a year. I lived there in 2008. Um, and I won five grand prix when I was over there. And I would think today I'm probably a bit more known as a hunter rider, but I did those jumpers for quite a while and, um, got to ride some fantastic horses that, we don't really have access to over here as much, um, with the sales barns. Um, mm-hmm. so that was a great, you know, successful year over there. And then in 2016, I won Derby finals on a horse called Miss yeah, Lucy. Um, yeah. she was, uh, maybe the most difficult horse I've ever had to ride mostly because she was just a, such an incredible athlete and had such a specific style of riding, um, that she required. She was a horse of Jen's actually, I was helping Jen that year. She was hurt. And, you know, as far as the success that came with that championship, that day was for sure. One of the coolest days of my career. And it put me on the map and kind of opened so many doors to the kind of horses I got to ride next. But, you know, the thing I think that makes that, day so special to me is I really accomplished something that I didn't think I could do. And my expectations were not at all to win that class going into it. You know, I had ridden that Mm -hmm. horse in one horse show prior 
to that class. I was terrible on her in that the previous class. Um, it it was a very hard course. It was the biggest, certainly the biggest derby finals to date. I think um, was that night, and I just really walked in that ring the night and said, I really just want to ride my best. I thought nothing about the results, and when it was over. When the round was over, you know, everybody's cheering and everybody's excited. And I literally did a fist pump as I left the ring, which, you know, in the <laughs> ring, you don't do that really. But I did. I was so excited that I just we we nailed it and we were on it. And it just thought that horse and I came together that night so specifically. And, you know, there's a lag time at Derby finals when they you know, you have your round and then there's three panels of judges. And so walking up that ramp was probably a good two minutes before they announced the scores. And I went back, I think, second or third from the top. And I had no idea if I was going to be leading or if I was going to be out of the ribbons. And I didn't even care. I just cared that that was just a huge yeah. like accomplishment that I was able to, to get to. So it happened to work out that, you know, I, I won that night, which was amazing. But the winning part was secondary to how, how good of a feeling it was coming out of the ring. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's such a, a great feeling. Like you said, you fist pumped, just, you know, when you and your horse, you both put your, you know, tried your best out there. And regardless of the ribbon, you, when that happens, it's just the best feeling in the world. Yeah. And I think that that's really important for, you know, as an industry, we need to hold on to because we get so hung up on, the day-to-day -day ribbons here and it's, it's, it's exhausting. And I, yeah, you know, yeah. we, we certainly, it's a competition and, you know, nobody ever had a bad time winning, but it's really has to be about perspective in how you're again, going back to process, your process as a rider and your horse's process, you know, and their training is going, you can really only compare yourself to the last time you showed. And we live in sort of a, a little bit of a bubble that is created by, you know, we're in a, uh, certainly the jumpers, you have the specifics, you know, it's pretty clear as to how, you know, how you won and how you lost. You either, you know, were precise enough to leave the jumps up or when you were fast enough or you weren't, but in the hunters, you know, we rely on one judge's opinion and that person is sitting in a place at the ring that no one else is sitting. They have a very different view from all of us at the in gate um, or certainly a very different view than the rider as they're riding around. And, you know, the level that of, or I would say the, the emotion that can go into that kind of um, how the results are, are played out is really challenging now for me as a professional to, to be a part of, you know, I am at the point in my riding where I, the longer I do this, the less I care about someone else's opinion. I just care that, I put my best self out there and I did the best job I could on the horse. And sometimes I don't do the best job and, and I need to take whatever I did in that round and figure out how to make the next round better. So, you know, I wish the hunters had a little more appreciation for how we are on our own theme and our own process than, than how the ribbons end up, you know, laying out. But um, something certainly I kind of strive to, teach my students as we go yeah definitely and when you are at a huge show or a big class like that like the derby finals um do you ever get nervous and if you do how do you handle your nerves uh oh yeah i get nervous all the time <laughs> um 
but I get nervous because I really want to do a good job. And I try to handle that by focusing on really what's happening in the moment and trying to not let myself think about it in too big of a perspective. You know, it really comes down to literally each stride and cantering to the jump and feeling, you know, what your horse is doing underneath you. I mean, they get nervous too. And they feel if your nerves are, Mm-hmm. you know, making them a little bit more excited or, or, you know, more agitated. So I try to just focus on actually riding. And I know that sounds really simple, but it's, it helps me to think of, you know, asking myself questions like I would a student, you know, do I have the right pace? Am I turning in the right way? Am I, is my track? Okay. Am I looking up, you know, like the little basics that yeah. you sort of learn and are natural at some point. Um, but they keep me in the moment um, when I'm going, and and usually if I'm nervous, it's really just leading up to the to the class in anticipation. And um, once I get in the ring and I pick up the canner, then that tends to go away. Yeah. Um, and do you have any type of a routine before a big class, um, or like a superstition or anything like that? I'm, I'm not superstitious at all, and I know many people are, and um, I just, you know, I really, if I put too much effort into, you know, what socks I wear or, you know, what coat goes with this, then I end up focusing Mm -hmm. on the wrong thing. So, you know, my general routine is actually, is my horse prepared? And that's why I really like getting up in the morning. You know, we have such long hours in this kind of um, discipline, but if I can give myself the time to make sure I'm not rushed and to make sure my horse is prepared and worked properly and it feels good, you know, the two of us in that morning ride, um, then, then that's sort of the best kind of routine I can set up for. And, um, I want to go into a little bit about winning and losing here. So of course, in this sport, um, it's so unpredictable. Horses are unpredictable. And, um, sometimes we don't win as much as we'd like to win. So how is that, how do you deal with maybe not winning a class you wanted to win or not doing as well or being in a rut or something like that? Um, that, you know, kind of goes back to that, the, the point I was trying to make about how winning is a focus um, when, you know, I ride better when I take the focus off of winning. And I think that, you know, everybody wants to do their best and everybody does want to win. This is a competition. You know, we are here to, you know, half the reason I'm still doing this at this level is because I, I like winning, but I think to make sure expectations are truly about where you are um, as a rider and what your horse is capable of. For example, I did the jumper, a jumper class the other day. And the first day I went in and my horse is very competitive at uh, meter 30. So I'm going in and my first, you know, it's our first day back in Wellington and it's, we're all kind of eager to get there and show. And I'm definitely thinking about, um, you know, how, you know, if I could finish in the top three or if I could, you know, be the fastest clear, how would that feel? Or how, you know, are I expecting that because I've done that with this horse over the last year mm-hmm. and I go in the ring and I'm riding a little too aggressively and a little too fast. And my horse gets undone in the bridle and I have a rail down near the end of the course. And it was just a reminder to stop having those kind of expectations. And I made a couple of changes for the next day and I ended up 
uh, almost winning uh, second actually, but I had such a better round because I took the focus off of what, you know, what that winning expectation might be and put the focus on how to expect the best for my horse. Um, that's really, really hard to do when we have, you know, all these classes we're supposed to be uh, competing in and we're always comparing ourselves to, you know, our last win. But the reality is this is a sport where you lose way more than you win. And um, you better get used to that if you're, <laughs> if you're yeah. trying to be competitive in any way. And so I really, I never really think of losing as a rut. I think of if you're not winning or you're not as successful as you want to be um, in terms of your own riding, you know, what is there to, to do better? You know, we can always be better. We can always work on something a little more specific. You can't think of everything when you're in the ring. It's impossible. There's a 50 million things to do. So, you know, what's that thing that you, it didn't do so well. And how can you go home and practice that better? Um, and then when you go in the ring the next time, can you focus on just that part? And is that better? And then that might mean that something else goes out the window and then you got to figure out how to balance that and fix that. Yeah. So um, learning from losses, you know, that's the only way to be any sign of success. It seems like, you know, the winning riders just win all the time and that's just totally not true. You know, I, mm -hmm. for every class I win, I probably have lost, you know, 10 or 12 that week if I'm in those yeah. classes. Yeah. It's a, it's a nice reminder, especially to hear from someone of your caliber that that happens because you're right. You know, a lot of people look at, you know, these big riders, including yourself and a, a lot of people, they see the wins and they don't really understand that in the background or, you know, the stuff that they don't see, you know, everyone deals with that, that kind of stuff. And you just have to hang on to the positives. And, you know, even if it was a bad round, you need to, go forward and learn from it and, and fix your mistakes and just keep plugging ahead. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that comes down to also being, um, you know, confident that a loss is not, um, a tragedy, you know, a loss is yeah. a lesson and mm -hmm. sometimes it's easy to get caught up in, you know, why well, I, I made this mistake, um, you know, twofold, either you make a mistake and if you've made it several times, you know, you got to change something about that mistake. You got to change, yeah. you know, how you approach it, how you think about it. You know, if your riders, if, if as a rider, you're just continuously going too fast to a certain, you know, out of the left turn on your horse, then, you know, go back and do your homework and, and see what you can do to, to fix that and practice it. You know, we, we, we don't spend sometimes enough time with the actual practice and we're so busy showing that we, you know, breaking things down and really analyzing how to uh, execute something better will lead to more wins. And when you just sort of keep blazing ahead um, without thinking about how to be better, how to make something specifically better, then then you're probably not going to keep winning. And a couple more questions here just to wrap up. Um, so why do you think you have been so successful in your career? Um, that's, again, I think it's just cause I have fun with it. Um, I yeah. really enjoy the horses and I, I don't enjoy every single horse I ride. Some horses are way harder than others. Um, but I enjoy what, you know, little, even sometimes you get like just a tiny bit of improvement on a horse that you didn't have, you know, the last couple of weeks, or maybe didn't even have at the beginning of that ride that day. Um, so I just, I do it cause I have fun with it and I, 
I think that that makes me successful because I can also, you know, I can, I can pick out the points and I'm not always, you know, hundred percent positive. I get frustrated just as much as the next person about, you know, how around could have gone. Um, but if you can at least find something that's fun and positive in each round, then that'll build on the next part. And I think another part of it is I, as much as I'm a bit of a perfectionist and I like to take this very seriously, it's, we're not rocket scientists here. We're, we're just trying to really do things that are fun and enjoy the horse and, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, and, and enjoy what we, what we can do with this. And so if you lose that, then you're not going to be successful. So I think I always try to make sure that whatever we do, I can laugh at myself and I can, you know, take what happened one day and try to bring it to the next. And that really leads to that kind of, um, you know, successful forward motion. Mm-hmm. And, um, that, you know, this is a hard sport, um, especially, you know, people who are competing at the top levels. And, um, so, as far as things that are something that you would say is the hardest part of the sport, like whether it be emotionally or physically or financially, what would you say the hardest part is? I mean, I think as a professional, the hardest thing for me is the fact that this is also a business. And while I would like to say it's all fun and games, it's still a way, you know, we're still making a living and we're still, um, this is such a high end business with the economics and the finances in this. And people are, are spending lots of money just to, just to keep up with the Joneses that that part to me can sometimes get in the way of, um, of how, you know, what, what really becomes important. Um, I wish that this was a lot of a, you know, an even playing field. I wish that we were all just sort of, putting in our best effort to make these horses better. But the reality is, you know, it's a, it's an expensive sport. And so not just for the trainers and the, you know, people who are kind of working for the living, but the, the amateurs and the juniors that are spending this money doing this, there's the underlying (laughs) business part of it where you have such money being put into this kind of, you know, competition it, it plays a part of it. You know, it, it can't not, it would be impossible for it not to, you know, people want to feel like they're getting their money's worth, whether it's the horse they bought or the training they get or the horse show they're going to. And it doesn't always lead to, you know, the best um, dynamics when things aren't going well, when things are going well, it doesn't matter how much it costs, you know, everybody's happy about it. Yeah, so, but yeah. when, when we all, you know, there's things come up all the time, horses don't work out horses, you know, they're animals. They can't talk to us very well in English. Uh, they, you know, we, we all have situations that we need to tackle and figure out how to make better. And the money side of it can get a little bit challenging when we're trying to, you know, talk about this in a very fair way. Yeah, definitely. I agree with all of that. And um, looking back over your career, um, is there any advice that you would give your younger self? Ah, that's a good question. I think I would give my younger self the advice of to be patient with myself. You know, I was always somebody who wanted to be, you know, older and better. And, you know, when I was a young professional, I wanted to be doing the, or I'm sorry, when I was a young junior, I wanted to be doing the equitation, you know, like the big kids were doing. And when I was doing the equitation, Mm -hmm. I wanted to be a professional and, and 
as even as a professional, I was always, you know, trying to, you know, you got to put in your dues and you got to, you know, take your time. And, and I was always very eager to learn, but I was always in a, in a bit of a rush to get further ahead than where I was. And when I now look back and think, don't worry, you're going to, you know, if you keep going, you'll figure it out. It's almost impossible not to figure it out with the longevity in this kind of business. And not just me, just that's anybody who wants to, you know, mm-hmm. keep at it and keep working and keep learning. And so, yeah, I would say just be a little more, take the time and enjoy what's happening at the time. Um, again, that's kind of what I learned with my sister is I was able to look back on it and help her. Well, I think help her. I'm not sure if it actually worked out, but um, <laughs> help her enjoy what was happening, you know, as she was going. And actually, you know, the fun thing is now she comes back and she'll ride. She has a regular job uh, doing something, you know, important that I can barely describe, but she comes back to riding and it's once in a while and we'll school some horses at our barn or, you know, come and have a lesson with me. And it just, it, it's kind of like, it's fun again for her. And it's fun again for me to do that because when we were younger, even as a young professional, I was in a rush for her to keep going. And then I realized that that's, Mm -hmm. you know, if you slow down that process, you actually get more out of it while you're doing it. Mm -hmm. And last question here, just what's next for you? What's on your calendar? Uh, well, we're just starting, um, at WEF. Um, we mm-hmm. have a couple of shows December right now that are used, we're using as warm up shows. And then certainly starting in January, the next three months will be, um, pretty intense and, um, a lot of riding, a lot of catch riding, a lot of, we have a couple of young horses to sell. Um, so I'm really focused on what's coming up for this Florida season. And then after that, I'll take the next step. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for hopping on with me again. It was wonderful getting to know you. Uh, Thank you so much. Yeah, this was great. Thanks for listening to this week's episode with Christy Herrera. And a big thank you to the sponsor of this week's episode, Practical Horseman On Demand. Learn more at practicalhorsemanondemand.com. You can subscribe to the Practical Horseman podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. While you're there, please rate and review the show. Also, tune into our mini-sode series, The Fod Pod, where you'll hear audio lessons from our favorite Practical Horseman On Demand clips. When you tune into The Fod Pod, listen closely for a promo code for 15% off your Practical Horseman On Demand subscription. Thanks again for listening to this week's episode. I'm Julia Murphy, and you've been listening to The Practical Horseman Podcast.